The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett joins us, President Hackett Financial Advisors. And a time to talk about these markets as we wrap up the week. We saw some definite lower numbers taking place. You said, though, that there's some tops that have already been made in these grain markets. Yeah, I mean, we feel that we have made a, um, a top. Um, we're not sure it's the top, but we think it was a pretty good top. You know, we recommended uh, farmers to sell here in March um, into early to April and feel that most of the weather in Argentina and to some extent corn in Brazil and of course the winter wheat weather, we, we just think we've basically priced it in and now we're looking ahead to the prospects for the uh, U.S. Uh, growing season and with planting uh, looking like it's going to get ready to roll here later this month, um, this is typically a bearish time, a time where it's hard to get the markets more excited than they already were. As we look at the markets and the big drop that we saw in this wheat market, what are your thoughts? Because it's had some struggles this week. Well, I mean, the whole thing behind the winter wheat market and why it's been so strong you know, for most of the you know, last three to five months has been perpetual winter kill and, and perpetual drought. And we are showing for the first time in, 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 a, in a long time some, some good rains coming into the uh, southern plains. And um, because it's been so cold, uh, the wheat crop is kind of uh, maturing uh, behind schedule, and so even though it's very late to help the crop too much, it still can be helped by some of these good rains. And I think the market is, you know, taking its cue off of that rain event and saying crop's still going to be really bad, but maybe this could kind of give us a little bit of help and maybe make make the crop a little a little better than we thought it might have been, and that brings speculators to sell the market, especially on a Friday. Now I understand there was a, a issue with the ruble, a little bit of a slide there. Is that going to can it give them an opportunity export-wise over the U.S. and other countries? Um, on the margin, it certainly does. I mean, we, we know that, you know, Russia has gone from an, a, a obscurity, you know, eight years ago to a uh, dominant exporter of wheat. And so anytime they can get a, a cost advantage on a short-term currency move, they will certainly take full advantage of that. So, so no doubt uh, that didn't help the cost of the wheat market, without a doubt. But, uh, but I think it was more weather-based, but certainly... On the margin, that added a little extra bearishness to the market. We talk, and we've been talking all week about about field work, but producers, the equipment is bigger. Once that soil warms up, it's not going to take long for them to play catch up. But this delay is still being talked about from a from a broker perspective, especially when you look to Iowa, Minnesota, and the Dakotas. We think it's going to be more of an issue of what gets planted. We think there could definitely be a, be a shrinking of the spring wheat acres. Uh, we definitely think there could be a shrinking of the corn acres, possibly. We definitely think that soybean acres could be increased. But we don't believe it's going to be an issue of not getting acres planted. It's just It just might switch things around a little bit from what the planting intentions report was. What The weather that we see coming is a warming up uh, in the last week of April. And, and May looks like we'd be get, we could be getting some very warm, even summertime temperatures in certain areas. And if you look at the analysis of how fast can they get, let's say, the corn market planted, they can get the corn market planted between 10 and 14 days if weather is good. So it um, doesn't take much to get to get to, to take the late planting and, and and you know get yourself back into 
uh, a pretty good place. So, and so we don't think ultimately that's going to be a major problem other than switching acres around a little bit. Well, what about for, for Brazil? I was uh, looking at some maps and it looks like they're going to have some dryness for this second crop. They are having some dryness. Uh, this is not uh, dissimilar to what happened two years ago when they had um, some dryness at the tail end of their safrina corn crop and, and, and estimates had to come down. And, and it's certainly something that could be an issue uh, later on in May if, if it persists and we have to dial back uh, corn numbers even further. Uh, but for right now, we think it's a bit premature to put too much into that yet. Uh, we still think there's a chance that some rains may come here in a few weeks and, and still provide um, kind of the outcome that many were expecting. So we're, we're not ready to say that that's a big driver yet, and, and the market still has not really paid that much attention to it. So as we look at this market as a whole from a grain perspective, Sean, what's it going to take to get a good rally going in this market, or are we just going to have to be patient and, and really wait till summer hits? Yeah, I think we just have to be patient. I think this is a time where we're just going to be in a, a corrective phase, kind of a boring phase, um, and, and we need we really need to get into June, get into the summer growing season, and get some some better sense for the kind of weather we're going to have. And I think that that's when we can get markets alive again. But I think for now, you know, things are going to quiet down and get get, get pretty boring. You know, not a whole lot to talk about for a little while as planters roll, and there's just not much to say new that could drive speculators into the marketplace. So, so right now, I would say patience is definitely um, you know what you have to have right now. You know, we've we've talked a little bit of trade, and I know that the president came out um, just within the last day or so and said, no, I didn't mean we would rejoin TPP. The media took it out of context. Well, agriculture got pretty excited at the thought of maybe re-entering the TPP. Well, <clears throat> the problem with our current president is that, you know, no one really knows what he really wants to do. So... Um, I, I have no idea if he really wants back in. If he doesn't want it back in, you know, we keep hearing that NAFTA, a memorandum of understanding is going to come out any day, and then it doesn't come out. And um, it's very hard to um, make much sense of all that and, and, and make any decisions based upon a president that changes his mind very regularly, other than to say, if he is softening his position on TPP, which it seems like he may be a little bit, and he may be open to some some look at it again that's better than where he was where he was basically saying we're out and we're not interested if he's moving in that direction it is positive for agriculture but it may still be a long road to go before we get any real tangible evidence of what he's about to do and as we all know that market's constantly watching what happens and and the talk and the comments that come out about trade without a doubt and and, and that volatility of is going to is going to be with us for the foreseeable future until actual you know, agreements or actual numbers are, are signed and put in place. Stick around, folks. We've got more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett joins us, President of Hackett Financial Advisors Incorporated. Sean, let's before we talk about the dairy industry, I wanted to look at what's been happening within this this cattle market. And we've seen some some struggles within it, some mixed trade. Buyer support's there, but it's not wow at this point. Well, anytime you have a market that's entered a free fall, you, know, you, you do tend to get um, some buyer fear or what I call a buyer strike. You know, why should I step into a falling knife kind of scenario? And, and so what the, what the buyers want to see, they want to see the market begin to show some upside uh, 
tenancies, uh, some stabilization, some sideways trade, and, and then and then the buyers start coming out of the woodwork and start locking in, you know, what are very good prices compared to what they were earlier in the year. So, so I think we're kind of moving beyond the shock phase, and we're moving into the the phase of developing a bottom where we're going to start to see buyers coming out of the woodwork, especially domestically, as we head into the summer season where demand tends to be obviously seasonally stronger. So. So we, we, we think we're going to get some better buyer interest uh, and some less uh, less pullback than we've seen. We just need to push this snow out of the way so we can get grilling and get more consumption going. No doubt, you know, getting some seven degree temperatures would definitely help uh, get that going. And, and the good news is, you know, the, the calendar says it's coming and, and the weather models say it's coming as well. It looks like May is going to start to really be pretty warm. So we should really get the grills fired up here and that will really help. What are your thoughts on the hogs? We kind of it was nice to see as we get ready to wrap up this week. We saw some positive numbers this week for them. We did see positive numbers. I also uh, think the market kind of recognized it probably really overreacted to the tariff war, uh, understanding that China had already been growing their herd significantly. They were already pulling back on imports significantly, and that the, the tariff war really wasn't going to be that much of an impact uh, to U.S. exports. And so, so I think the market had a had a second look at that and, and felt it overreacted. Secondly, I think there's some optimism that uh, uh, this idea that a memorandum of understanding of the NAFTA uh, of a NAFTA agreement is coming here over the next few weeks, and I think there's some, some optimism that it may actually be more friendly to you know the U.S. hog market than many might have thought might have been the case a few months back. So I think those two things, not to mention the price coming down a lot and buyers seeing a good, a good, a good deal, have all brought uh, some better interest and some better price action here recently. Well, look over at the dairy side of the trade. Uh, demand numbers. You see, that's kind of the area that people really need to focus on. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we, we had a pretty nasty uh, decline in, in dairy from last summer into the end of the year, and, and it was based upon um, some big production out of Europe, uh, some big supply backing up in the U.S., and, 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 and the bearish sentiment continued into the new year uh, because that's all everyone could see is these large supplies. But we got some really exciting uh, demand-side data that came out this week. One was from the U.S. They come out with what's called disappearance reports every month that show how much cheese and butter and milk powder, how much they're being consumed or how much they're being used up. And in the U.S., for example, cheese demand in the U.S. grew in excess of 4%. That is, a, for, for, that is a huge, huge number. I mean, normally we're running at a 1% to 2% growth rate, but to have 4% growth in domestic demand for cheese is absolutely phenomenal. And that, that kind of demand, that should it continue, is going to start working down those cheese stocks in the U.S. quite a bit. The second thing we saw is we saw a very strong GDT auction with very, very strong demand. And we saw cheese prices, you know, up 4 to 6% over there as well as every milk derivative was up over there and the other thing we're seeing is that Chinese demand is growing 20 to 30 percent for cheese in fact our largest buyer of cheese which is Mexico the Chinese are going to exceed them in this upcoming year and buy more cheese or import more cheese than do the Mexicans which we have not seen China by buying cheese like this before we've seen them buy milk powder before but in cheese, this is a dramatic change, and we feel it's going to continue to drive uh, not only the cheese market higher, but all the different milk derivatives higher you know, over the next 
six to 12 months, and, and already prices have been rising since January and have actually been accelerating here in the last couple of weeks on some of this exciting demand side news. So, so we're optimistic, and we would say to the dairy farmers out there, uh, be patient. We think you'll get a good selling opportunity later this spring and into the summer at a good price. Well, Sean, before we wrap up, real quick, why why do you see this demand suddenly picking up for them? Is there something specific? Well, the Chinese, you know, the biggest thing about the Chinese is that, you know, in order to have, in order to buy a cheese, you need to have sufficient uh, economic well-being, meaning, you know, cheese is not the cheapest thing out there, okay? Uh, and, 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 you have, and you have to also have some place to refrigerate it. So the problem always with Asia was... All right, sounds good. Best way, Sean, for folks to reach you to talk more markets. Uh, best two ways is to go to our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. And the other best way is to just give us a call at 561-573-3766. We'd love to, uh, to chat with you and, and help you in any way that we can. All right. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.